0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Wednesday evening, beautiful day, beautiful people, wonderful to be here tonight. Uh, We're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians and last week we started talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to continue that topic tonight and I'm going to Try my best to finish up tonight. It's uh, well, at least with this part. Actually, when you go into chapter five, it continues to talk about uh, end times prophecy. Um, I'm going to begin again. I I don't have this in the notes, but with a Christmas verse. I'm going to start tonight with a Christmas verse. Uh, And as I told you before, this the topic that we're talking about also is related to Christmas. And is actually the theme of Joy to the World. Uh, Joy to the World is a song that was written uh, 100% about the second coming of Christ. Uh, nothing about the first. But he had to come the first time or else uh, he couldn't have come the second. But, uh, but it's, about the fir- it's about the second coming. And you say, well, gosh, well, I guess that kind of ruins it for me. If that's not a Christmas song, but it is because it's connected. And I just want to read this verse again. Just because I understand a couple of things as we talk about the rapture tonight, as we talk about the coming of the Lord. As we mentioned last week, there's many, uh, there's many uh, churches, uh, maybe I should say traditions, um, that do not teach in the... They don't believe in the literal come, second coming of Christ. Uh, and therefore, if you were brought up in certain uh, Protestant backgrounds or, or Catholic or whatever it may be, there are some churches that just do not believe in the literal coming, second coming of Christ. And therefore, you don't hear it a lot. And so when you do hear it, uh, perhaps the only time you hear it is if it's on some movie and they're making fun of some weirdos, you know, or something to that effect. Or uh, maybe it is some weirdos that you know <laughs> uh, even. But uh, But just understanding that this that, that when we talk about the second coming is that there that's intricately connected to the, ver, the to the first coming of christ and that's why i want to read this verse to you as well so in isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and i know i've mentioned this uh, boy that's uh let's see yeah there we go uh, chapter 9 verse 6 the bible says for unto us a child is born uh, for unto us a child is born that's one of the things one of the verses we read a lot But it's the same verse that continues on that says, "...and unto us a son is given." Which, again, the child is born speaks of what? Well, that's obvious, right? It speaks of the the cradle. It speaks of the manger. It speaks of the stable where Jesus was born. A child is born. But then it says, "...and unto us a son is given." Now, what's what's that a reference to? The cross. That's Calvary. So we've got the cradle. We've got the cross. "...unto us a son is given." For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we have the, the, the cradle, we have the cross, and then we have the coming. Because notice what it continues to say. Verse number six. This has not happened yet, people. The first part's happened. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I want to pause right there a second. Earlier on in this chapter, or earlier on in the book of Isaiah, something else was told us about a detail about this child would come. We were told how this child would come. We're told in Genesis that it would come through, the, that the seed was promised in Genesis chapter 3, that the Messiah, that Jesus would come through the seed of a woman. In other words, a woman. So he, he, he signified a woman being involved in this thing. But what's revealed, what does Isaiah reveal to us further about the woman that's going to give birth to this Messiah? She's a virgin. She is a virgin, all right? So, and I'm saying all that to say now, Bible trivia, we'll just continue Bible trivia here. Isaiah, how long before the birth of Christ was the book of Isaiah written? Any guesses? 700 years. 700 years. So let me tell you what happened in those 700 years. God made a promise. I'm going to send... The Messiah is going to come. And, we, and you can read throughout Isaiah in the Old Testament, you start getting put in details about them. In fact, the reason that there's four Gospels has a lot to do because those four Gospels deal with four distinct characteristics of the Messiah who would come. One emphasizes the fact that he was coming as the king, Matthew. The other one emphasizes the fact that he was coming as the righteous servant that was just coming to get a job done. And then the other one emphasizes the fact that he would indeed be a man. And that's what Luke emphasizes. But then John emphasizes a whole other aspect that we find throughout the Bible, that he would indeed be God the Son, Emmanuel, God with us. 700 years before Christ is born. So they had 700 years of, they had more than that of anticipation because literally it goes all the way back to Genesis when the Messiah was promised, but my point is, for seven hundred years they said the Messiah is coming. Well, how's he going to come? He's going to come through a woman. Uh, well, what kind of woman? He's going to come through a virgin. Hold on a sec. That don't add up. That's not real. Uh, surely God just probably that must be symbolic. That. You know, it's just going to be a young woman. You know, not really a virgin, but just a virgin in the sense that it's a young woman because virgins do not have babies. So that can't be what it's talking about. But there's yet other people that said, well, it's what it said. So, yeah, it's going to be through a virgin. But for seven, how do you think that sounded for 700 years? Yeah, the Messiah is coming. He's going to be virgin born. Oh, there's one of them people. Virgins don't get pregnant, buddy. You you see what I'm saying? All right, because I'm trying to tell you something that to us now, we've celebrated for our entire lives, and we accept and we believe, uh, by and large. But it it wasn't always a given. And I say that to say that the second part of this verse, the first part of this verse used to sound just as crazy as the first part of this verse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because it goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Is Jesus the ruler currently? Is he the one that's running the government in the world today? I sure hope not. <laughs> All right? And he's not. This, is not this, this world is not the way that God intended it to be. It is, uh, and now, Now he sets up kings. He appoints kings. And, and there's a whole other background of that. But it's not being ran the way that he would have it to be ran. But the government should be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. Now, we, you say, well, I call him Wonderful now, and he's my counselor now, and he's the mighty God now, yes. But what he's saying is, the government's going to be upon his shoulder, and when we read further in the Bible, we find out that he's literally going to be ruling on this earth. That's what the Bible says. Um, and his name is going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Shall perform what? A child being born, a son being given, and the government being upon his shoulders. So, was the first part literal? A child was born, yes, indeed. Was the second part literal? A son was given. Yes, indeed. Is the third part literal? Yes, absolutely it is. And so, and I'm sharing one verse with you, but we could spend... Well, I'll share this with you. Uh, as I shared it last week, but I'll share it again. Then I'll try to get into emphasizing the rapture as much as what you... Uh, I was trying to look at a use text. I was looking at my time. I shouldn't have looked at it. Anyway, uh, for, for, for every one reference To the first coming of Christ, I'll say say this again for every one reference to the first coming of Christ, which we know has happened, there's eight references to the second coming of Christ. All right? Uh, Scholars have identified 1,845 different biblical references to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. No less than 17 Old Testament books. mention his return because what we're doing with some of these numbers is we're talking about specifically mentioning like in Isaiah he's coming again but no less than 17 Old Testament books how about the New Testament in the New Testament seven out of every 10 chapters in the New Testament refer to his coming back to this earth so if you believe the Bible and if you take a literal approach to the Bible and understand there's there's, uh, there's places in the Bible to where it literally doesn't mean when Jesus said, you know, I'm the door, it wasn't just like, wow, check him out, man, just this weird door walking around out here, you know. Uh, we understand literary, liter- literal, literal stuff doesn't always mean, uh, you know, that he was a door or that he was, uh, you know, um, whatever, the water or the bread. He wasn't like a... He wasn't like... Uh, you know, Maui on, you know, Moana to where he's just transforming into a door and a piece of bread and all that, right? No, th- not literal in that sense, but the Bible is literal. Uh, so, but here's the thing that, that, that I want to try to back up a little bit and emphasize what's being talked about in Thessalonians because we're doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of First Thessalonians. And as we've gone through it, we have approached the point, And Thessalonians really is about living in the last days. It's about uh, living during the time of his coming. And he's dealing with these Christians concerning that. And what's being dealt with in 1 Thessalonians is the first part of, it's the first part of Christ's two-part return to the earth. The very first thing he's going to do that we're going to read about here in a moment is he will remove the church from the earth. He will remove those who have put their faith and trust in him from the earth before a period of seven years of tribulation begins on this earth. That period of seven years of tribulation. And by the way, uh, revelation. Anybody know what word uh, that revelation comes from? Apocalypse. Let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think of apocalypse? Death, zombies. Uh, Anybody else? Apocalypse Now, any old people? Um, you know, what, what do you think of? But I'll tell you one thing, I didn't hear, oh man, just glory, just wonderful. I mean, when we talk about apocalyptic, we ought to, if you say you ought to watch this or read this, this is apocalyptic, you're just like, ooh, you know, I'll check it out, man. Uh, but you know what, the, but then Revelation kind of tells you what, uh, coming back around again, it tells you what apocalypse means. It means the revealing so when, it's, when it says the revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus, do you know what this is? It's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Uh, that's what it is. That's, the, that's what apocalypse means. Uh, but what we find out is, there's a, number one, there's a time of, uh, one of the main things you've got to understand about the, the seven-year period of t- uh, tribulation period, it's not just about pouring wrath out on the earth. It's really the time of Jacob's trouble. And ultimately, kind of what it is, you ever see those things? I know they can be a little, bit, a little bit corny and everything, but there's some truth to the fact of, just say like when there's a school shooting or something, and they'll be, you know, the, I don't know, you see maybe the little cartoon, and, and, uh, and it'll be, you know, someone outside of the school saying, wow, why didn't God uh, stop this? And then there's a response saying, well, you asked me not to be here like 30 years ago. You didn't want any part of me uh and 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 i know that that could be a little trivial so don't i'm not trying to trivialize anything but the point that i'm just simply trying to make is you'll notice that there's a lot of people that don't have any interest in god until it suits them right but for the most part we live in a world that is less and less friendly toward the thought of a biblical god that has a standard of holiness. And living and says, hey, you're going to give an I'm your creator and you're going to give an account to me one day. No thanks is kind of the world's general response to that, as in the day and age in which we live in. Well, the rapture is gonna it's not gonna provide them that exclusively because it's not like God has done, but there's gonna be a period of seven years, uh, the main purpose of which will be, and it will be tribulation on earth, but will be to help Israel turn back to Jehovah. At the end of that seven years period of tribulation, that's when you're going to have Armageddon by the way, that's why we as christians uh I haven't started my two page outline yet um but that, but that's why we as- i I'll, I'll just do what i can uh but that's why we as christians we 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 aren't trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, and we're not concerned if you know Trump or Biden or whoever else or shalinsky or Claus or we're not trying to figure out if these dudes are santa claus no it's not we're, we're santa claus we're not, we're not trying to figure out if santa claus is the antichrist or anybody else is the antichrist right because guess what he's not going to be revealed until after the rapture so if you if you click on somebody i think this might be him okay i think it could be my neighbor so what you don't know. You can't know. You will not know. He will not be revealed. Uh, somebody says, preacher, don't you understand that, you know, uh, they're, trying, they're trying to give you the mark of the beast. You remember that was one of the big things with the vaccine. You know, there was these people out there, and, and it's, it's, there's crazy people out there. There just are, on both sides. There just really are. There's people that's like, but it's like, you, you get the vaccine. Don't you know you're going to get the mark of the beast? Uh, I absolutely will not get the mark of the beast. Well, you you don't know that. There's this whole, yeah, there might be a lot of that, but I'll tell you, it's not the mark of the beast because there's no beast yet. The Antichrist has not been revealed. Therefore, there's not a mark of the beast because there's not going to be an Antichrist revealed, and there's not, therefore, going to be a mark of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast until after the rapture of the church. So I'm not sweating that stuff. It's impossible. You cannot, the the, the Antichrist will not be revealed. There will not. Now, you ask me, now, could some of these things be precursors for the mark of the beast? Now, that's a different conversation. Could could they be training? (laughs) Could they be dress rehearsals for, hey, just do what we say and all this stuff? Absolutely. I'm not arguing those points. Uh, But one thing I will argue is that there is absolutely zero possibility of you or I receiving the mark of the beast if you're saved by the grace of God, because when Jesus is going to come and take us out of here. Uh, so let's read just real quickly about the promise here, and I'll just give you what I can, and I'll stop uh, when I stop. But the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 13, let's, we're doing this verse-by-verse study, but it's hard when you're doing a verse-by-verse study, when these verses are got trails all over Scripture, right? It's just hard just to say, I'm just staying here and moving through. But verse 13... But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And we talked about all this last week. I'm not going to go as much into that. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I'm going to pause right there a second. I said, can you believe that Jesus was virgin born? I can believe that. Can you believe that Jesus died on the cross, carrying all the sins of all mankind for all time, that he died on the cross? And can you believe that he rose again on the third day? Absolutely. Then it's no stretch to say, well, then do you also believe that he's coming again? Because that's what he's saying here. Do you believe that? That's not all he's saying. But if if we believe, all right, then look at verse number 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And prevent there we use one way, but it really carries the idea of preceding. But he says this in verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain with them, I'm sorry, uh, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When I said one, you know, for every one time it talks about his first coming, eight times it talks about his second coming, and when I said, you know, all these you know 1,800 verses, seven out of ten chapters of the New Testament, all that stuff talk about the second coming, I want to be very clear, most of that, and the Old Testament has a ton, I'm talking about uh, huge sections and chapters that are all dealing with the second coming and the millennial and the things that have to do with that. Not as much about the rapture, okay, I want to be clear on that. But th- that's why when Paul first does this, he says, I sh- behold, I show you a mystery. Because this is something that wasn't previously understood. And Paul was saying, by the word of the Lord, I'm going to tell you something that the prophets didn't have a clear vision of. I'm going to explain something to you by the word of the Lord. The prophets didn't have a clear view of what we've been living in for the last 2,000 years, which is the church age. The time of the church. He didn't have a clear, they didn't have a clear view of that. So Paul and the Holy Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul communicates these things to us. So the verses that we just read gave us a promise that we can hold on to. According to these verses, Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout he will, w- w- from his mouth. We will rise in the air to meet him. As Christ followers, we believe in the rapture because we believe in the gospel. We know God is not finished. And the rapture is linked to redemption. No one knows when the rapture will take place. Another interesting thing to mark down. If you're on YouTube and it says, oh, click here and they'll tell you when Jesus is coming again. I just want to ask that person to legally sign their possessions over to me. If they say Jesus is coming again on December 5th, 2022, I want to say, do you believe that? Yes, I believe it. Okay, would you you sign everything over to me that you own on, on December 26th? Just make that a legal thing that happened. Do you really believe that? No, I'm going to go sell what I own, and it's just ridiculous. But the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour, so don't get caught up on that uh do you remember they thought what was the Inca or the mayans knew a few years ago you know they were the first ones to make the cover of an oreo cookie and they thought that that deciphered and, and showed when the end of the world would come uh, <laughs> uh, i apologize uh i think i'm more sorry for not being sorry probably more than anything but but nobody knows when the rapture is going to take place only that it will happen immediately Now, I don't mean immediately like right now, but when it happens, it happens. Um, When the trumpet sounds. Now, regardless, every Christian is right to expect the Lord to return in his lifetime, just like Paul and the rest of them did. We are not waiting for some fulfillment of prophecy. The second coming is always near. The reason our Lord will rapture his church out is to receive his bride for himself and to rescue her before the great tribulation it is also a time of reunion, which we will be joined together with one another. I don't have this in my notes either. But one of the beautiful pictures that Christ presents in the New Testament about his, uh, the rapture of the church in particular, He's got a beautiful picture and image. Doesn't God have beautiful pictures and images, by the way? God, our Father, we're the, chi- we're the children of God. I mean, just beautiful things that uh, the the Bible says that we can cry, Abba, Father. Just these beautiful pictures that we can relate to his love with us. So he he gives us these familial pictures that we as human beings can relate to on this earth. But he says to the church, to those who are saved, who put their faith and trust in him, who, who receive his gift of salvation, he calls us, what? What does he call the church? You know what I'm getting at, don't you? His bride. The bride of Christ. I get this funny mental picture in my head. By the way, I I, I, I saw this picture. I, w- I should have put it up there, man. Uh, but it's a picture of like when dudes hear that they're the bride of Christ, and it showed this big fat d- dude with a beard and a wedding dress. You know, just like uh, puzzled by this whole idea of I'm the bride of Christ. But, uh, but 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 the but the picture is of it's it's of that it's it's a it's a bridegroom and a bride. A groom and a bride. It's, it's, it's the, the bridegroom who at some point came and offered wedding. Offered, offered wedding. What is wedding? Offered his love. Offered and, and asked this young girl to be his bride. And, and the old customs, the eastern customs are, are quite different from ours because a lot of times, for one thing, they would be arranged. But I want to say, say that it was arranged that you and I would be here tonight, was it not? I want to say that it was arranged that we would be in the place where we could hear the gospel when we heard the gospel. So there's these arranged marriages. But, but the bride has the opportunity. And so the bridegroom, this man, says, Would you be my wife? Would you be mine? And she says, Yes, I will. And so at that moment, it's an interesting thing in the, old, in the Eastern customs. This is illustrated in the Christmas story, by the way. But the engagement, the Jewish engagement, and really the Eastern engagement, but the the Jewish engagement was nearly as binding as marriage itself. That's why, if you remember, when Mary first became pregnant, that's why Joseph said, Joseph was privily thinking about having her put away. He was going to divorce her. He said, wait a second, they weren't married yet. But their their engagement wasn't like our engagement. It was so binding, you would have to have a bill of divorcement in in order to be able to break it off. It was a strong, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when we accept Christ as our Savior, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Instead of giving us a ring that shows that we belong to Him, He gives us the Holy Spirit of God. But this is binding. The moment we accept Him as our Savior, we, we become, we're a part of His bride. And in the, old, in the ancient custom, what would often happen is then that bridegroom would go and say, hey, I'm going to go prepare the place. I'm going to go begin to build our new home. I'm going to go and prepare the place that we're going to live and we're going to raise our family and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And then I'm going to text you and tell you to get ready for whenever. No, they didn't have no way to... It, it, so he would live in a far-off place. So when he was ready, he would come. And say, okay, honey, it's time. Let's go. All right? And so Jesus gives that parable in in the Gospels. He says that those, those young virgins, they had to be ready for when the bridegroom came. And they had to be watching. And they had to be prepared. Because at any time, can you imagine that, Natalie? At any time, your bridegroom may come and say, hey, it's time to go. All right? But I'm telling you all that to say that's... And I'm doing a terrible job, by the way, giving you this imagery. It could be done a lot better, uh, especially if I would have planned on it. But but you still kind of get the picture a little bit, okay? And so here's the idea, though. That's the imagery that Jesus is trying to use for his coming for the church. So then the question comes to you, have you accepted Jesus' invitation? That's where I'm trying to get to. Have you accepted his invitation of love? Just like Boaz back in the book of Ruth, Ruth caught his eye. Amen. The Lord worked things out there to where they, could, where they could come together, but I'm telling you, they had to both agree. I want you to know something today. God has already agreed that he wants you to be saved. Um, y'all can help me with this. I could get some feedback. We could workshop it. I'm not going to be preaching very long Sunday because the children's program is going to be the thing. I normally get up and be, give the gospel. Uh, I'm looking for Kim to get her approval. But uh, but I was thinking about this title, All I Want for Christmas is You. Yes, no, thumbs down. Okay, anyway, maybe not. I'm going to sing it too, by the way, the Mariah Carey version. So, uh, so you do not want to miss it, all right? Um, yes, okay, Ryan's on board. Uh, but the... But, but I'm saying that to say this. He's already made up his mind. He sees you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. You know, what that, you know how much I know that? I know that because of what he did on the cross for you. By what he did on the cross. I know that because he, knew, he already knew everything you would say, everything you do, everything you would ever think. Everything you've thought today. And he still says, yep, yeah, but I still love him. I love him and I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to do what needs to be. And so he offers, and he stretches out his hand, and he says, would you be mine? Would you be mine? And, uh, and then it's your, have, have you said, yes, Lord? I have. I remember when I said, yes, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my heart and my life and be my Savior. Uh, if not, you're not yet part of the bride. But the good news is his hand is stretched out still. I mean, he's here waiting. You say, oh no, I believe him, and I, you know, I I I think he's great and all that. Yeah, but have you received him? Well, I don't know if I've received him, but I mean I, I believe in God, and you know, I mean, I'm a Christian, of course, but have you have you said, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my life and be my Savior. I mean, have you acknowledged by faith What he has done for you. Because there's another group that I would argue believes more in the birth, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross, and the resurrection. Listen to me. There's a group that believe these things and more. Throw the creator thing and all that in there too. They believe that more than anybody you've ever met in your life. They believe that more than anyone you've ever met in your entire life. But this is also a group that is 100% hell bound. Who is this group? The Bible says this. You believe there's one God. You believe there's one God? Thou doest well. But here's what he said. The devils also believe and tremble. Not seeing that very often. The devils believe. The devils believe. They don't just believe in, oh, yeah, 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 of course I believe. They believe in, oh, my gosh, they tremble. Not seeing that too often. They know all these things are true. But that's not redemption and that's not salvation and that's not what it means when it says believe on the lord or believe in the lord jesus christ that's not what it means it's not just saying yeah i I, i'm going to give my intellectual assent to yeah sure i believe that no it is i am putting my faith and trust in him you know i I gave the example before of there's so many illustrations you know the one i've been using more recently is the person that's uh, in a burning building and, and, and climbs outside the burning building. You know, they're four stories up and they're holding on to the, the burning building for dear life. There's saviors below them called firemen that are offering them a net and offering them a, a chance to escape. And they, and, and they say, you know, hey, we'll catch you. We'll catch you. And that person says, well, I, I believe they'll catch me. But the firemen have to say, well, you need to let go. A lot of people are believing in Jesus, but they're still holding on to their good works. They're still holding on to their religion. They're still holding on to their preconceived notions. But belief, belief in this belief we're talking about in Jesus says, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know what? I've got my baptism and I've got my church certificate and I've got all this stuff and, and, and I'm going to bring this to the cross with me. I like what the old songwriter said, don't you? Uh, Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. We don't bring stuff to Calvary. I'm a good person, but sure, Lord, I could use you too. No, we let go of that. Believing in Jesus is more than just saying, yeah, of course I believe. It is saying... Lord, I'm trusting in you right now. I'm letting go, whether it's religion, whether it's sin, whether whatever it may be, pride, I'm going to let go of that right now, Jesus, and put my faith and trust in you. That is what he talks about when it goes back here to verse number 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And one of the beautiful pictures, I I, I remember this, I heard Billy Graham tell this story years ago, he he talked about a missionary that had gone to an island, and uh, it was an island where they did not yet have a Bible in their language. And so this missionary was trying to interpret a Bible into the language of these people. He was working his way along, but he was struggling with the word faith believe what word would best illustrate that what's a word in their language that would illustrate faith what's a word in their in their language that would illustrate belief and one day he's taking a break and he's sitting out on the beach and 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 just kind of relaxing when all of a sudden he sees a gentleman come out on the beach and i wish i could do it I, i i did this years ago i brought a hammock up here but, but there was a, a hammock type of beach, uh, you know, thing out on the beach. And he just saw a person just, poop just plop right in that thing and give all their weight. Just everything they put on there. As soon as he saw that, what's that called? What is that called? What do you mean, what's that called? What did he just do? What's that word? And they said, well, that's, uh, mean, lovey, love you know. And he's like, <laughs> something. it was close to that. It may have... Rough translation. But then that's the word he used for faith. Because that's what it is. Faith isn't, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I believe, I believe. You know, or even I believe. Faith is just, whoop, just jumping in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm every bit of it. Not trusting in myself, not trusting anything else. So, that's what it means The big precursor, because uh, now I'm going to preach my two pages to you, okay? I'm really not going to do that, okay? But what I was going to preach about tonight is the what, what. What is the rapture? I was going to talk about who, the who of the rapture. That one's important, because I'm telling you, this could happen at any moment. The who of the rapture is if we believe, if we believe. So I was going to talk about the who of the rapture, the when of the rapture. Again, I said that could be any moment. Uh, the how of the rapture. Uh, I was going to talk about uh, the the why and the where. I was going to answer a lot of questions tonight, apparently. (laughs) But instead of answering all the questions I wanted to answer, I just want you tonight to answer a question for me. And that question is, have you put your faith and trust in Christ? That's my question tonight. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel. If we believe, not the way the devils believe, but we believe like the dude that jumped in the hammock, you know, the <laughs> word, we believe all of it. Have you? Have you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think I have. And it's funny when you ask people this stuff. I, I don't know. And, the pianists can come if they don't mind. I think we'll have a time invitation and we'll dismiss. But, um, but I think about the uh, I, I think about that question because I you get hey do you believe in Christ oh yeah well I've been baptized. It's funny like, like we don't answer other questions that way, you know. Have you eaten lunch? Oh yeah, I drive a Ford. Okay, uh, hey hey have you trusted Christ as your savior? Oh well, well I, I go to a Baptist church. Okay, like, what are we talking about here? It's like, what are you doing for Christmas? Oh, I got a pair of jeans. That's how it is talking to people sometimes about this stuff. I'm not asking you that stuff. I'm asking you, have you put your faith and trust in Christ? If you haven't, you can do so today. And the point is, is if you have, putting your faith and trust in Christ, it's not like, uh, you know, lightning flashing and signs all over the place. I'm telling you, it's, it's a simple thing of faith. Uh, there's some people that'll cry their eyeballs out when they put their faith and trust in Christ. There's others that'll just say, Okay, Lord, you said if I believe and, and I'll turn to you, I, I believe and I turn to you. There have to be any emotions involved in it as far as you know being very emotional. But the question is, can you think and remember a time in your life that you have put your faith and trust in Christ? And if you haven't, my question for you, number one is have you? Number two would be, why not? Number three would be, Hey, how would you like to do that right now? How would you like to do that right now? Seriously. well, so I'm not so sure. It's simple. It's Jesus has his hand extended, and it's just as simple as taking him by the hand. It really is. He has come this far to give you the gospel. And, and I, I didn't even see, I'm sorry, I didn't see who was playing piano tonight. Is that awful? Miss Onya, would you mind coming and playing? And, um, but, uh, and we're going to all stand and be dismissed in just a moment. I am so thankful for your patience but I just want to ask you really really simply tonight would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Christ I'll tell you a couple things the Bible says this about us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God can you admit that today have you sinned have you sinned and come short of the glory of God well that's a big thing to be able to admit I'm a sinner I have sinned do you believe that here's what the Bible says it says the wages of sin is death now that's separation separation from God now but eternal separation from God as well there's a heaven and a hell and separation from God is an eternal separation that's death but here's the thing the wages of sin is death but, but, but know the Christmas message? the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord here's a gift He's, 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 he's proposing to you for the marriage analogy, he's reaching a gift out to you. He has his hand out to you. Here's what it says. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, the devils believe up here. So many other people believe intellectually. Most people do. But that's not salvation. Salvation is from with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And then there's this beautiful verse whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's your name? You could put it right there. If Jesse shall call upon the name of the Lord. You know what? That's what it was several years ago. I called on the name of the Lord. And you want to know what he did? He saved me because he promised that he would. And if you'd like to do that today, you can do it right now as we stand together. Would you want to pray along with me with every head bowed, every eye closed? Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. But Lord, I believe that you came to die for my sins because you love me. I do believe that you rose again the third day so that you could justify me. And Lord, right now, I want to call on your name. I want to turn to you. Turn from my sin. And I want to ask you, Lord, to come into my heart and into my life to be my Savior. Right now, I receive the gift that you have extended to me. Right now, I take that hand that you have right within arm's length of me. I trust you as my Savior, Lord Jesus. You know, if you can do that today, man, I'm telling you, I've never got over the day that I put my faith in Christ. And I hope that you've done that today. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so will God bring with him. So we've got a lot to look forward to. Maybe I'll preach on this next one, the rest of it next week. But uh, I'll tell you what, you can be dismissed. I will ask uh, Dan Kill, if you would, to dismiss us in a word of prayer. And you are at liberty to go.